This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Coach Time. I'm your host, John Lyons, here on the Believe Network, and we are joined for the second time on this show by Justin Turpin, who not only is a producer extraordinaire for WEEI, but more importantly for this conversation, he covers the Celtics for WEEI.com. And we want to jump into not just the Boston Celtics, but the NBA as a whole. But before we get to there, Justin, welcome in. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I love hopping on here. Yeah, it's a pleasure, and we're just in time for the NBA. It starts on October 24th, so we record this on the 23rd. We're less than, I guess, 24 hours or just about 24 hours away, and there's been a lot of movement in this NBA offseason. Obviously, Damian Lillard is now part of the Bucks. Chris Depps, Porzingis, and Drew Holiday are on the Boston Celtics. Max Struess went from the Eastern Conference champion Miami Heat to the Cleveland Cavaliers. We've seen quite a bit of movement. James Harden may or may not get moved. Of all the moves that have happened this offseason, which one do you view as the most impactful? Personally, I, I got to go with Damian Lillard. I think the way that impacted so many different teams, right, because Drew Holiday then came available. In my heart, I want to say Kristaps Porzingis because of how much we've seen from him in the preseason, how he looks to be a great fit. But in terms of biggest impact, it has to be Damian Lillard because that allowed Drew Holiday to be free. And it ups- what the trickle-down effect that that caused had to make it the most impactful. Yeah, and, and I think with Dame Lillard going to the Bucks, it improves them a lot, but that ripple effect of Drew Holiday briefly going to the Blazers, and by the way, DeAndre Ayton being now in Portland, I think is an interesting fit, but Drew yeah. Holiday briefly going there and then getting swapped for Robert Williams and Malcolm Brogdon, he now joins the Celtics, and we've seen Brad Stevens be – Arguably, this was the most aggressive offseason any NBA GM has had in the last three or four years. When you think about trading your longest tenured player in Marcus Smart, then you turn around, trade the sixth man of the year in Malcolm Brogdon, and you trade Robert Williams, but you bring in Chris Stapps Porzingis, you bring in Drew Holiday. When you look at the Celtics, are they better than they were a year ago with these moves? I think they are. Changes had to be made. You've gone to five Eastern Conference Finals in the last seven years. Only one finals appearance to show for it, and you couldn't get the job done there. Changes had to be made, and I think the fit with Porzingis is just perfect with the Celtics. He's elite in drop drop coverage, and the Celtics love to play in the drop. He also provides that kind of rim. He's a great rim protector, much like Robert Williams was, but he brings more on the offensive side. You know, he can do that. He's an elite on the pick and pop. 
in, on pick and roll as well. His spacing is tremendous, and you could see the early effects of what he does for the Celtics offense. And it should make you very excited as a Celtics fan because, granted, it's only been, it's preseason and we only seen a little bit, but if this is a glimpse of what's to come and what he brings, it's exciting stuff. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. You brought up how Porzingis and the different things he can do. I mean, he was fourth in the NBA in points allowed per pick and roll defended last year. I mean, this is what we're talking. And look, Robert Williams in 2022 was number one. So the Celtics want to have a guy who's good at that. And you look at teams they might play. Milwaukee's going to do it a lot with Dame and Giannis. If you get to a finals and you play a team like Denver, they're probably going to do it a lot. So you need to have guys capable of that. But I think his diversity offensively will make a huge difference for this team because what's been their biggest flaw in the last five years, they couldn't score in crunch time to get them over the hump in close games. We saw it in the 2022 NBA finals game four. We saw it in the Eastern conference finals that year, game six, we started against Milwaukee in game five, but even this past postseason in 2023, they couldn't close out Atlanta in five games. The Philly series went seven when it really probably shouldn't have because they couldn't close out game one without Joel Embiid. They couldn't close out game two at home with a fourth quarter lead versus Miami in the conference finals. This has been a consistent problem. And now you're talking about a guy who shoots 38.5% from three. He led the NBA in points per post up last year as well. So he's something they have not had here. And I think that alone is going to make a huge difference for them. Just that now, instead of teams looking at it like, hey, it's Tatum, hey, we'll force Brown to his right. But if we can kind of get a hold on those two, it'll be okay because Robert Williams was a great lob threat but he's not going to hit you shots beyond that. Marcus Smart, nobody trusted as a shooter. I think now having a guy like Porzingis there, to me, and I'm curious your thoughts, that makes a massive difference for their crunch time offense. 100%. And when you look at Robert Williams as well, he was no threat on the pick and pop. And remember, they were making the everyone was making a big deal when he was working on the jump shot earlier in the trading camp when he was still with the Celtics. There was that video of him working on the jump shot. Reality is he never had it. And he was not a scoring threat away from the rim. And that's another aspect that Porzingis brings. That's something he can do and he can knock down threes, which is tailor-made for Joe Mazzulla's offense. I mean, he always talks about how important the three-point shot is. And now you have five guys, really all of your top six guys can knock down three very effectively. And that's just another threat. And it, it fits perfectly into what Missoula wants to do. And they also are very good on the defensive end, which is something they've put a serious emphasis on this offseason, trying to get back to what got them to the finals under Ime Udoka on the defensive end. Focus on that end of the floor and let your defense turn into offense. And we've seen glimpses of that in the preseason. We've seen them do that effectively. And frankly, that's when they're at their best, when their defense is turning into their offense. And those top six, especially, are so dominant on both sides of the ball that it fits perfectly for what the Celtics want to do. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably the best top six in the NBA. You could you could even make the case it's the best top three in the NBA with Tatum, Brown, and Porzingis if you put him as the third guy. The only concern I have with all this, and look, I was a massive Robert Williams fan, so I was sad to see him go in general, but I think an, another concern here is front court depth. Now, Porzingis played 65 games last year. He would have played more if the Wizards weren't trying to tank, but he has had injury issues in his career. Al Horford's now in his late 30s. So what is your sense of their plan in the front court? Are they going to use or go deeper into their bench? Do you think they may plan on making an acquisition to you know, improve that 
front court depth? Like, what is the plan beyond, even if they're both healthy, what's the plan beyond those two in the front court? Well, I think you hit right there with the front court depth because that's something that they had to deal with last year. They had a lack of it, and it's a problem that they solved when they brought in Porzingis. And now it's all of a sudden a problem again because Robert Williams has since gone. They're going to need some guys to step up. I think Namias Keita could be a name to watch. Luke Cornett, it's interesting that he didn't play in that final preseason game because everyone's kind of under the assumption that that's going to be your third center. And he has proven before he can do it, but he was very uninspiring in the preseason and in training camp. So they're going to have to get creative. And I think another piece to watch here is Jason Tatum. He mentioned on media day that he added 12 pounds of muscle. He looks bigger. He looks like he can play the true four. So as long as you have Porzingis and Horford, they can rotate on the five. Tatum's going to be forced to play bigger. And I think that's something he can do. That's something he's starting to grow into that body. And it's something that he will be able to succeed at this year. He's been working with the post with Sam Cassell very often. So I think he's preparing for that type of role. But the front court depth is a problem. I mean, Cato showed us signs in the preseason, but his foul troubles. And there's a reason he hasn't been able to stay on the court at the NBA level. So they're going to have to get creative there. And I wouldn't be surprised if they look outside the box and maybe try to sign somebody because they do have that open roster spot, try to sign somebody outside the organization. Lamar Stevens is another one to look at. I like what he brings defensively. He's very physical. He plays with some a tough a toughness. And he is somebody that fits what Joe Mazzullo is trying to do defensively as well. A little bit undersized. He was signed as a wing but has experience at the five. He has played at this preseason. It's something that he is willing to do, but they're definitely going to have to get creative in that department. Yeah, and I wonder, I kind of lean towards agreeing with you if they'll bring someone in from the outside. And I feel like their plan is, hey, are one of these deeper bench guys going to surprise us and step up and be a piece in that front court? And if not, they'll go outside. And it's, it's a concern, even if the two guys are healthy, but let's say Horford, gets hurt or Porzingis gets hurt, then you're really kind of thin there. And I think that's a concern. And even with Horford and Porzingis, I would want to manage their minutes, you know, for the regular season. I mean, you're worried about these guys being there in May and June. You know, you want to get them playing time. You want them to play. But if Porzingis plays 60 games and he's fully healthy for April, May and June, that's way more important. But you're going to need that front court depth. Right. And it's inevitable through an 82 game season, they are going to miss time. So who's going to step up and fill those voids and fill those roles when they miss time? It's going to be interesting to watch because, like I said, they are going to have to get creative. Yeah, and so that was the big – it's funny because we're talking about Porzingis. That was the big move of the summer for the Celtics until it wasn't, right? And then all of a sudden this true holiday trade comes out of of nowhere, and the Celtics – have had two the last two years, right? A week before training camp last year, they changed head coaches. Now his training camp's about to get underway this year. They add Drew Holiday. When you look at Drew Holiday coming over from the Milwaukee Bucks, what is his, in your eyes, what is his impact on this Celtics team going to be? I think he's going to make a huge impact. He does all the little things, and that's something that if watch closely during the preseason, his offensive rebounding, what he brings defensively is well noted. And even as a teammate, he's a three-time teammate of the year award winner. This guy is willing to sacrifice. He wants to win. He's a winner. And he brings in championship experience. Obviously won one with the Bucks and was key in that run for them. So I really think he's going to be huge for what the Celtics are trying to do, especially if on the offensive end, like everyone talks about his defense, but he's a good scorer as well. And he's 19 points a game. Exactly. And he's going to trickle down to what the fourth or fifth option behind Tatum, Porzingis, 
Brown and possibly even Derek White and or Al Horford, whoever's in the starting lineup that night. So I think he might go under the radar a little bit, especially on the offensive end because of the star power in Tatum, Brown, and Porzingis. His defense is going to be well-documented. Pairing him and Derek White in the backcourt is just terrifying for opposing teams. So I think he is going to be a really interesting factor to the Celtics team because, like I said, he does all those little things, much like Derek White. So they're going to severely benefit from having them two in the backcourt. Yeah, and Derek White and uh, Drew Holiday had a, both had a 112 defensive rating. I mean, really good defensive backcourt, but offensively as well. I think, you know, Justin, you covered the Celtics, but for me, just as a fan, it was long stretches of last year. He was the third best player on the team for yep. me, and he played in all 82 games. I thought he was hugely impactful. Like, everybody remembers that tip-in in game six against Miami, but I thought he was really impactful all season long for them, and now you put a guy like Drew Holiday next to him, and you mentioned these might be the fourth and fifth options yes. on the court at any given time. And these are on a lot of teams. I mean, Drew Holiday was the second option in Milwaukee for a lot because Chris Middleton would be out. But even when they were fully healthy, he was the third. Derek White was really the one in San Antonio, and he'd be probably a two or a three on a lot of teams. Now he's a five. So having those guys there, I think, is massive for them. And the only thing that – and I wouldn't even call this a problem. I just think it's an interesting thing to talk about – is, okay, this top six is elite. Who plays when? And how do they manage those minutes? What's your sense of how they're going to figure that out? So the way Joe Mazzullo's kind of addressed it, he keeps talking about there's going to be different lineups. So I think it's going to be matchup-based. And in my opinion, Derek White has to be out there. So I think it's going to be tough to do. Al Horford's probably going to be the one that bites the bullet most of the nights. And... It's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough decision. Horford's only came off the bench 12 times in his career. He's never done it as a member of the Celtics. And, you know, as an athlete, like, there is some sense of pride in starting, especially when you've been doing it for that long. You're 37 now. You've been in the league for all these years. It's going to be tough transition. And Horford seemed to embrace it on Friday. He spoke after practice and seemed to kind of embrace that role because one thing he's never done is won an NBA Finals. And this is a great opportunity to do it. And in order to do that, there's going to have to be sacrifice, whoever that may be. But no matter who who comes off the bench, they are still going to be such a key part of the team because that top six is going to be seeing the bulk of the minutes. It's going to be interesting to see how deep into the rotation Joe Missoula goes, especially come those playoff time. But whoever comes off the bench is still going to be seeing massive minutes and going to have a huge impact. And I liked what I saw from Al Horford off the bench in that preseason game against the Knicks. He brought energy right from the start was scoring and he brings another threat to that team. So no matter who's coming off the bench, and I think it's fair to say it'd probably be Derek white or Al Horford. They are going to have tremendous impact on that second unit. Yeah. And I think another piece you mentioned Al Horford, not winning a NBA finals yet in his career, Drew Holiday's a guy that has. And I think having right. him around, that's another huge part. And I agree. I think he'll be a guy that he's always out there. But with Horford and with this lineup, the flexibility they have is something they haven't had the last few years. Now they've had great rosters the last few years, make no mistake. But now you have, hey, we can go double big with Porzingis and Horford, guys that can play inside and also hit threes. Or, hey, we can go small, quote-unquote small, but you have a guy in Tatum at the four who's still a huge guy. So I, I think the flexibility that they have is is tremendous this year for that roster. And for really any matchup you can think of, they have an answer, which I think is you know a credit to Brad Stevens and where they are.
And that's a great problem to have if you're Joe Missoula. Yeah. If you're figuring out who to sit out of this top six, and no matter what, you're going to have one of them coming off the bench. I think Joe Missoula is really the big winner of this offseason. I think he's been put in the best possible position to succeed. And you can see it at practices. He just is so much more comfortable. He's relaxed. And I think he's just starting to kind of ease into, like, he was thrown into the fire last year. Yeah. He was na- named the interim head coach six days before whatever it was the week. Yeah. This time last year, he was a month into being the head coach. Exactly. So it's kind of, and he inherited a staff that was left by Ime Udoko, which lost Will Hardy, which is something that shouldn't be overlooked as he took the job in Utah, then lost Damon Stoudemire towards the end of the year. So he was kind of put in a tough situation last year. Now the players that were brought in, like I said, are made for his offense and his schemes, even defensively with Porzingis in the drop coverage. So I think he was the big winner this offseason. You know, he got to pick his own staff, which is something that he said he really enjoyed. And the staff is loaded up. So is their roster. So he has been put in perfect position to succeed. And you can tell he is very comfortable with where he's at right now. You brought up Joe Mazzulla, and I thought, one of the big additions they made this offseason was Sam Cassell on the assistant coaching staff. They also bring in Charles Lee. Recently had Jeff Van Gundy as a consultant, consigliere, whatever you want to call him. The impact of these three guys, and you can talk about all three. You can pick one that you think is going to stand out. But this to me, and I'm not an expert on NBA coaching staffs, but this feels like the best assistant coaching staff in the NBA is that going to change anything the Celtics do on the court? Like, what's going to be the impact of these new and experienced voices behind Joe Missoula? Well, so Joe Missoula said they're kind of taking more of a gang attack on it. So different players have been working with different assistant coaches. Drew Holiday has been very common with Charles Lee. Jason Tatum, like I mentioned, have been with Sam Cassell. We don't see a ton of practice. It's really only after practice, but almost every day Sam Cassell has been working with Jason Tatum on his post-up game. And that's kind of been Jason Tatum's guy. So these coaches are going to make a big difference in terms of, you know, actual game planning and all that. There was one moment that really stuck out to me was earlier in the preseason. It was against, it was the first preseason game against the Sixers. Um, It was, there was a timeout. And Joe Mazzulla stepped off to the side with Charles Lee and they were on the, on the clipboard drawing up a play. And it was Sam Cassell that stepped in and addressed the team. Remember there was kind of a revolving cast of characters who took that seat when Joe Mazzulla would step out. Marcus Smart most notably did it in the playoffs. There wasn't really a top voice on the bench behind Joe last year. And now they have a surplus of it and it's going to make a big difference. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, and that'll be one of those hidden things that improved assistant coaching staff that I think nobody will really talk much about. But if they win a championship, I think that'll have a at least a secret, but pretty big hand in them doing it. But in order for them to win a championship, I mean, you have Milwaukee with Damon Giannis, you have Phoenix that added Bradley Beal. We didn't even mention that earlier. And Denver is still the defending NBA champs, and right. all those guys in their mid to late 20s and all still there. Just want to get your sense of the rest of the NBA here, Justin. What are the teams or team that you look at as, along with the Celtics, the true contenders for a championship? Well, I think the top two in the East are very obvious, Milwaukee and Boston. As far as the West, it's a little more open. I think Denver still has that top spot, but you can't forget about Phoenix. If they can stay healthy, I mean, that team is really, really good. 
And then you got teams like Golden State. As long as Clay Thompson and Steph Curry are there with Steve Kerr, you have to keep them in consideration. So I think the East, everyone has a good idea of the top two teams. The West is a little bit more open because I even throw a team like the Lakers in there that can still make some noise. Who went so, to the West Finals last year? Exactly. By the way. Yeah. Exactly. So I think the Lakers are up there. The West will be a lot more tight, but I think it's still Denver's conference. Yeah, I mean, look, Denver, they just it is hard to win two in a row, but Jokic's the best player in the world. He's 28. I mean, a lot of these other guys, I think Murray's turning 27 this year. Like these guys are all in their prime. Gordon, they're all under like all under 30, all in their prime. Phoenix interests me because I think that top three is pretty lethal. But that DeAndre Ayton move, I mean, did you feel like they did that to bring in more depth around those three? And they were top heavy and it felt like Ayton didn't fit. And there's been some mixed reviews. I mean, do you feel like this has made Phoenix a more well-rounded title contender, or are they going to miss a guy as talented as Aiton up front? It is tough because I think they are going to miss Aiton, but I think they had to move him because they were so top-heavy. They needed to round out the bottom of their rotation and their roster, and Aiton didn't seem to really love it there. He was yeah. always one that kind of popped up in trade rumors or whatever it may Didn't be. Did he so sign I think an offer sheet too in like he Detroit did. or something? Yes, yeah, he did, so. and they matched it. So yeah. I don't necessarily think he loved it there, and that can sometimes lead to problems in the locker room when things go south if for whatever reason. And I don't, I don't know DeAndre Ayton. I don't know how he would handle it, but you know, for whatever reason, that could cause problems in a locker room. So I think the trade did make them better because they needed to round out the end of their rotation, the back end of their bench. And their top three is just so lethal anyway that I think they could take that loss in losing Aiden. All right. Justin Turpin. I said 15 to 20 minutes. We're already over 20, of course, talking the NBA before we go. Okay. You cover the Celtics. I know, but is this going to be the year for banner 18 for the Boston Celtics? Or do you have someone else in mind winning the championship? Uh, in short, it better be banner 18 year for the Celtics that ownership's gone all in. And I know Wick Rosebeck mentioned that this is more of a multi-year window, but is that how fans really view it? I don't think so. I think these fans, these Boston fans, they're spoiled. They are waiting for another championship and the Celtics right now, if you ask most people in the city, people would say the Celtics have the best chance to do so. So I think all eyes are going to be on them. So this better be the year, and I, I truly think it is. I think Porzingis and Holiday put them over the top. They've been knocking on the door. Like I said, five Eastern Conference Finals in the last seven years. They've been so close, just haven't been able to get it. I think these two pieces really put them over. And not to mention, you know, when you have a comfortable head coach like Missoula, I think he's a good coach. So when you have him comfortable with all the help he has now, they have all the pieces to do it, and I think this is the year they do raise Banner 18. All right, Justin, let's hope that you are correct because I would love to see that happen. He is Justin Turpin of WEEI. Check out his coverage on WEEI.com. Justin, thanks for taking the time. It was a pleasure having you. Thanks for having me. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.